Hi, this is Carrie Life Art and you are listening to podcast Body is a Temple in this episode. And this is our greatest opportunity now to see that we are each messengers and advocates for emotional sovereignty, for consciousness, for going into the translucent nature of clarity, which is beyond illusion, beyond light. The purity actually is in the darkness. Mm-hmm. which is really something that even in the spiritual community many of us are still deciphering how to communicate and to educate and to share. Hi, this is Carrie Life Art and you are listening to Body is a Temple podcast that will motivate and inspire you to live longer and look younger. Enjoy the show. Guys, I'm Karina. I'm a, a podcast host called Body is a Temple. Podcast is about health and spirituality and everything that can help us to improve our our life. And that's why I invited um, Philip to be a guest of this podcast. And I'm very excited about our talk because I'm trying to understand astrology, but I am super um, beginner and um, Philip is a source of amazing knowledge. So I'm very excited to learn more about that. So can you tell to my listeners, maybe your listeners already know, but um, it would be nice to share also with them maybe, uh, your background, like where you grow up, what have you been doing in life and why astrology and what took you to this place where we are here now together to loom <laughs> well thank you firstly for holding the space and for asking such cool questions today i'm excited for this conversation astrology well astrology is such an interesting to- topic for us it that brought me to astrology was general curiosity about the nature of reality itself and how reality works like what's the cosmic connection to uh, cosmology in in general because I was exploring spirituality and yoga kundalini all of these different things and there's a connection to like a psychedelic part of reality maybe a, a dream world or something like this and so I wanted to understand the archetypes of the, the cosmos and the dreamy world and through exploration I came into connection with this inner world known as Agatha or Shambhala, Mm -hmm. which is a mythical world about the inner earth, which is actually something which we've mostly disconnected ourselves from. And yet through our connection to ourselves, we actually get to go inside and explore more of what we would have considered to be outer space. Because we've been kind of more educated about patriarchal systems, which is the external world. And we haven't really, as a human race or society, explored the internal condition. And so it was actually exploring cosmology which brought me to astrology, which is the language of all shapes, signs and sigils. That's super interesting because, like, for me, uh, someone who is not into astrology, this is uh, something about the faraway planets somewhere millions of light years far away from me. But you are talking about the connection to the inner world, actually, in astrology. Can you tell more about this? Can you tell like how this faraway world of the planets influence our our life here on Earth? This would be something which is not a part of my original uh, education. Like this is something that took years to develop an inner standing of, and it was actually more and more through living the experience through time that I've managed to develop a core understanding of what time is and it's a reference position. You and I, we've got two different points of reference because we've got we're two different bodies but we're within a box, within a spectrum of awareness that is known as the earth plane or um, you know a, a universe if you will. And so it's actually developing the awareness that each one of us are influential with regards to the message and the frequency we admit. If we think of ourselves like antennas, and we're just both emitting different frequencies, and so we are able to find that that's influential for people to pick up upon, whoever's around somebody else. 
can pick up on the different frequency that's being emitted by them. And so what we have the opportunity to do is find that we are the expanding fringe of consciousness. And it's the different archetypes in the, uh, that are reflected through all things around us that resemble different parts of mind and frequency. And astrology, the planets, are like antithesis for different parts of frequency within the reality. So if you cut a circle into 12, and then you find that that's a, a certain geometry, and each different part within the circle, which is a whole frequency, a perfect frequency, it's the most perfect shape, each different part within that could be uh, synthesized as a different part of color or volume or depth. Likewise, within a scale of a cube, if you was to make a 3D shape and you had a cube. And so what we get within the ratios of different frequencies and temperaments is an opportunity to see that we've got real low frequency, rooty frequency, and we've got real high lofty frequency. Some of it's more strict and direct and you've got to take it seriously. And some of it's more whimsical and free and loose. And so through time, each different experience is of the barometer on that scale, whether it's a very serious, dark, heavy thing, or whether it's a very loose thing that's got the opportunity to go from this to that, and it's kind of whimsical, it's free, it's not being conditioned. And so what we learn about in our experience in this earth realm is that we have the opportunity to go from any of those frequencies. We have the key, all of the key reference points within us. It's just that sometimes we get bogged down by the quagmire of the heavier things. Mm -hmm, absolutely, but do you find that the astrology helps us to navigate between those frequencies and like find a way to get to the highers? Astrology gives us a reference point that is outside of ourselves. It kind of gives us the barometer, the scale, like the pH scale, if you will, from acid to alkaline from light to dark, all the way around to the colour wheel as well. And so it's like, if you were, for instance, in, you know, in Star Trek, they have the Starship Enterprise, and it can mm -hmm. go to any part of time or space. And so you can consider astrology as the handbook for that spaceship. Okay. Mm -hmm. And our, our body, our temple, being that spaceship. Mm, okay, beautiful. So... The only thing is now to kind of figure out where we want to go. <laughs> yeah. Because, because we have a temple, we have the body, we have astrology as a handbook. And that's uh, interesting, like how to know which way. That's a, this is my life struggle also, you know. That's why I have a tattoo from Alice in Wonderland, because um, I, you're familiar with the story. Oh, yes. At some point... Um, she was on the crossroad and she met the rabbit and the rabbit and she asked rabbit where should I go and the rabbit said but where do you want to go where do you want to get and she said I don't know and the rabbit said so the, all the roads are good right and I feel like I just don't know where I want to go you know and like everything whatever I choose it's okay you know but how to take more control over this and how to be more mindful and how to be more clear about our soul journey yes that's so beautiful. I love the reference of Alice going into the Wonderland. That is the reference of us going into ourselves, like going within or going into the darkness. Because all of this light is illusion, which is false light. Because our brains, if we talk about something science, I ain't no scientist or no expert, but from what I can gather, the brain sends signal out to the atmosphere, bouncing it off all of the different things out here, and we gain an image due to the electromagnetic reference point of these different signals. You know those things, those glass balls, and the conductor of the lightning, and you put yeah. your finger on it? I think it's a little bit like that. A bit like tentacles that are bouncing off everything in the spectrum. And so this is why we can know the image of what's going on out here. But So that's an illusion. Like Light is elusive. And so what we have the opportunity to do is find that out here we have the opportunity to find all of the things that we've least seen within ourselves, least witnessed within our own awareness. 
and this is an opportunity for us to gently school ourselves about what we have least attended to within ourselves. Attention is just love and so basically we get to tend to ourselves within our relationships with each other and the different parts, especially with our nearest and dearest, often our colleagues, our parents and our children, these are the parts of ourselves we've least experienced and we actually come into the opportunity to draw in these soul contracts where we get to work with one another to soften and to soothe the angles of our own witness point that we haven't really seen. And it's called scene, which is like, it's like with our eyes, because it turns up in the scene around us. And yet we're all cast into this experience, connected with one each other, to support each other, because that's what a supporting cast does. And this is just like the best movie there is. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so there are like for sure uh, things that influence our um, our society in general and also things that in influence the individual life. But can you talk about like what do you see now in the astrology that influence our like global society and things that happening in the world? It's a very good question. Because there's the personal psychology of astrology which is more our natal chart and how we're working through the same parts of our stories over and over again, which is a bit more what I was just referencing. And when you talk about the world scene, then what you're talking about is mundane astrology. But as I was joking with my astrologer friend the other day, mundane astrology is pretty thrilling. It's got its moments. <laughs> and so we had a moment, didn't we? We had a moment last year. And now the world's so, it's so shocking to see it open up. I watched a live a wrestling event last night and they had a full crowd and like nobody was wearing masks and the atmosphere was just amazing because it was resounding that, uh, that you could just feel it coming through the TV and it made a whole much of a difference. And you hear about all these different events, people are doing things now uh, that are more open and so this, but they're doing things with a different virtue because of what we've learned through the past year. It was actually that at the end of 2019 we had uh, what we call a stellar event, if you will, which is when a couple of wandering planets, wandering stars, end up in the same part of the sky, within the same sign. And we had Pluto in Capricorn, which has been there since 2008. Pluto is incredibly slow moving, it takes 240 or so years to do a whole circuit of the 360 degree sky. And Saturn was also there as well, in Capricorn with Pluto, which takes 28 years to do a full circuit. So it's still quite a long time. It's the farthest planet we can see with the naked eye is Saturn. It really sets the, team, sets the scene. And uh, when we take responsibility for things with regards to Saturn, we get, get longevity. And so this is like self-investment and these types of things, especially with our body, our temple, and all kinds of things that we create in the physical world, which supports us as well. And so, there is also Jupiter, which is not so physical. It's more about our belief. It's what we put our belief into. And so it's what we put our faith into. And we put our faith into a whole lot of structures as a society, blindly. We lived, born into a, a society that had put their faith into various different structures, whether it was an education system, could have been a banking system, could have been a health system. I mean, there's even new health organisations. And a lot of us were saying, who are they? But we all know those bastards now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the point of it is that we've been educated that these systems which we put our security into have revealed themselves a little bit more. And so we're able to be a little bit more discerning with where we choose to put our energy. And this happened on the world scene as a reflection of what's going on in our personal lives. As a reflection of the relationships which we're choosing, the relationships with our food, the relationships with our media, our own disciplines and all of these types of things which support us in the physical world are very Capricornian. So we can reflect the changes that we're making personally as also we see the shifts in the dynamics of the world seen at the similar time because it's all a reflection of the energy and the mm -hmm. status quo. Um, I have a question. I heard something about, I'm not sure, was it a planet influence or solar flares or whatever, that uh, 
there are times uh, in the history, the patterns that when this planet or planets were like coming into conjunction or retrograde, there were wars and there was always the same situation in the stellar world of similar situation. Can you c uh, came across this kind of patterns that were you can see like, oh, okay, the war was at that time when these planets were doing this. So, and it was like three times in the human history or something like that. So in like next 20,000 years, it's possible that it's going to repeat again. Something like that. Well, for, for your podcast guests, for your regulars, um, just for the audio, you obviously have a high five now. I'm sure they're aware that you often <laughs> do ask really smart questions, but you're on the money because you're bringing out the best uh, and drawing me into the explanation of this story. So this was the first time that we had Saturn, Pluto and Jupiter in Capricorn for 735 years. I'm not a historian, but it's my job as an astrologer to check out what happened the last time that that actually happened, what mm -hmm. was going on. And that was the year 1284. And Jupiter's what we put our belief into. So these structures what we put our belief into that give them life, without any belief into a certain thing, there's no no influence there and so with the last time that we had this stellar event of Jupiter, Pluto and Saturn in Capricorn what had, we had was a full moon in 1284 <laughs> we had a full moon uh, lunar eclipse and this was on Christmas Eve and we also had Mars and Venus retrograde in Capricorn as well as Mercury but it was that actually we had the north node Rahu as, which was with the sun and the south node Ketu which is with the moon and the south node Ketu is always about letting go of things it's also the wisdom and it's with the moon which represents the people emotions our interior conditioning which is truly our greatest guide you know astrology is a, a map which you can learn about a logic which you can learn about but if you haven't got it you've got your emotional guide system and it really trains us to to learn about our emotional guidance system, you know, and so especially this year we're remembering about it because what since then we've it hasn't been celebrated, hasn't been lifted up. The uh, matriarch Cancer is the moon, it's the mother, it's the home, and our homes within ourselves, our emotions are how we feel at home and nurtured. And the mother, the homemaker, hasn't been lifted up. It's even referenced as the donkey of the zodiac. You know, even like the donkey in Shrek represents this energy because the character the donkey plays for Shrek is very maternal, right? Very supportive. It's like, but it's made a butt of the joke a lot of the time, which is not fun for what we've lived within this patriarchal society for 735 years. The exclusion of the interior means the exclusion of spirit, the exclusion of importance, the exclusion of potency. And so all of the esoteric, occult arts like astrology teach us about the hidden. Emotions aren't something you observe, they're something which are within us. And so this is the remembrance of this opportunity to immerse ourselves within the nature of inside of ourselves. And so when we look at that situation, what happened in 1284, there's so many different things through the centuries that happened. You know, they even did a vowel shift because they wasn't English back then. <laughs> But we don't think of things like that, do we? Because we were born into an English language. And we were born, uh, but as you know, there are other languages which have a lot of different opportunities to unlock etymology and to see deeper meanings. And the more that we learn about the diversity of language, the more that we can become unified within our field of awareness. And so it was actually halfway through this span of time they changed uh, the, the traditional language of the world, which is much more of a mental, uh, mind-based language and it helps us manifest so much uh, heavy situations and things like this. It's, not a use it's a useful language for explaining things direct to the point, but it's not really the most heartwarming uh, of the languages. Once you learn the metaphysical nature of it, it was actually downloaded by the um, astrologer John Dee, who worked for Queen Elizabeth I. And so we also had different stories told about evolution more recently, very recently, Back in 1284, we had a different cosmology. We worked with um, what was known as a flat plane cosmology. It was more of a Ptolemaic cosmology. Copernicus did some very good maps to tell, uh, to spin the ball, which is, if you know about spin, it's what the media do with their stories. And so this tale told 
is actually been the butt of our own joke and made us in a sense living within this we've brought into this belief that we're working with this dog star cosmology which is actually a star in cancer and it's forgotten about it even used to be what they would use as a marker point in some of these Sumerian calendars and because it was an omen which is again a translucent something you put your faith in with regards to spirit and it was taken away we went into the Gregorian calendar we, which is more solar rather than lunar uh, this is why we've lost our way so much with regards to our interior reference point so there's so many different things went to the moon more kinds of things to say that we're living on a spinning planet this is not what I teach as an astrologer because that's very disempowering to think that we are on a ball that could get just wiped out at any point an evolutionary situation we just propped up from nothing and to say that we're following a sun which is like another religious story like NASA's cosmology is just a modern day religious story which has been perpetuated through the past few centuries astrology is the thing that is of the story of the stars which has grounded me here in this atmosphere uh, because when we it's not about knowing it's a flat earth it may not be but it's this opportunity to really see that it's a lucid kind of cosmological affair it seems to be that actually um, the, when we are here we are presented with things that can be changed due to our navigation of our psychology which means mm -hmm. that we are potent we are important we are the caretakers of this place this is our space and it's been a little bit robbed by misdirection and misinformation and yet it's ours so easy to take back once we just share and come together within ourselves mm -hmm, beautiful so how do you like practically use astrology for let's say making decisions like is are there any general rules that you are looking for for example uh, during the new moon is better to take the decisions than the full moon or uh, whatever thing uh, or is it more like super individual and then you need to uh, look at the birth chart of every person well i'm going to use this question as a end of the last question a little bit as well but thank you for, for bringing that forward. So basically, with regards to knowing that that was the last time that we had this kind of thing go on, which was actually stealing, in a sense, the reference point of the inside, the power to our emotionals, her connection, and all kinds of things like that. That happened in 1284. And there was also a mythology that was put into place into the consciousness back then, known as the Pied Piper of Hamlin, which was the story of, if you tell a big enough lie or story in the media, you can tell people to go into any direction. And that's what that Pied, Pied, Pied Piper riddle was all about. They even built a stained glass window back in 1284 and put it into the Notre Dame Cathedral in that year, which represents that new paradigm which those planets echo, a new reality. And so when the Mayans said that there was going to be a new reality in 2012, they were talking about 2020 as a reference point. It's a Gregorian calendar that got that lost. And it was actually in 2020 that those Saturn, Pluto and Jupiter, they came, to, they came so close. They weren't just in the same sign. They were within six degrees, which is the closest they've been in 6,000 years, which is why the Mayans have predicted this new world. And this is the world which we moved into because there was another part of the story that although they came in in 2019, by the end of 2020, they had done a little dance where Saturn was going into Aquarius, where it is now. And that's when the world went on lockdown. It's a focus on corporations running the world. They're actually above the governments. They're above the illusion of all of the different people who run the world. It's the corporations, and which are dead entities, corps, corporations. And so when we go into these situations, we've got to remember that we can have humanitarian corporations as well. Or like we can buy into a different line of connection, which is what we're doing here. And so it was when Saturn went in to Aquarius, two days later, the whole world went on lockdown in spring 2020. But Saturn would come back into Capricorn so that we could really see the structures be reorganized, reshuffled and revealed uh, a little bit more through the remainder of 2020 before it met with Jupiter for the first time in 800 years in Aquarius at the end of uh, 2020. So I knew this, and many astrologers knew this before me, but I found out about it in 2017. And so I start, I've got videos where I did uh, about this on YouTube in 2017 documenting it. It's not just hot air. Uh, and so we predicted it would be a world financial reset. This is how we can make our decisions from an advanced uh, perspective. 
uh, personally because the corporations, they knew, they knew decades ago. They knew in the dictionary was written, this is a totalitarian footstep plan from some of the Knights Templar with regards to like some of the different stories that have been perpetuated within our society of recent years. But this was organised to be rolled out. But it's a great opportunity because we were sent onto the lockdown in the spring last year and that new moon, which we had, the first new moon of spring 2020, was actually squaring the lunar nodes which create the eclipses. And the fun thing is, when we had the first eclipse on my birthday, what's Christmas Day kind of thing, in 2019, that was an echo back of the one that we had 735 years prior. And that's what I had documented in 2017, because it was going to be on my birthday. I took an interest on it, right? Mm -hmm. But it was actually, I found out, it was just serendipity. Uh, and then, so by the time we got to the spring, three months later, exactly, the nodes had moved to the same degree as which they were at back 1284. And the next full moon we've got coming up is on that same degree. The next full moon in Capricorn. Down in 1294? Yes, and as when they went into the spring lockdown and one degree away from the, in the eclipse that we had in 2019 on Christmas Day and 1284, all the same degree, and it's my son's birthday, uh, the same degree, so it's actually six months from my birthday that we have the next full moon, but it's not about me, although it's obviously a culmination of the fruits of my research and efforts and my personal story. But on the world story, it's the realisation, full moon, that we are empowered to recognise our emotions now. Even though there's been more division, in a sense, the more that you try and cram putty into a box, the more it slips out the sides. The more that we realise that we're being smothered or controlled, or the more that any abusive relationship tries to control anybody, the more empowered they are to realise that the controller has no power. We are the ones with the power. It's just that we are putting ourselves in that undermining victim role but as soon as we can claim ourselves claim our sovereignty we're victorious instantaneously you can't put us back in the box have you ever tried getting a cat back in the bag or a box they ain't having it mm, yeah but you can invite them somehow and cheat them you can coax them for sure i mean yeah. do you want to go to a live music show and watch the bgs or something like that i mean the bgs i don't know if they're still going yeah <laughs> but you know people are interested in giving away their sovereignty for certain things but maybe they don't realize that's what they're getting coaxed into so what do, what do you see that it's going to happen on this full moon like what do you think <laughs> with the well, as we are witnessing at these times already it's a very very revolutionary time uh, we are experiencing that actually one by one the planets in Cancer already Mars is starting to oppose Pluto which is now at the very end the very end of Capricorn it's going to be there for a couple more years and so one by one we're going to have these planets making 180 degree oppositions to Pluto uh, firstly it's Mars then it's Venus then it will be the Sun as we move into the summer and this is giving us the opportunity to see that it will be first the individuals the individual choice to disengage from a banking system, from a health organisation. Many individuals already have and we're going to see it more and more. It's going to be a, a trend that can buck. Especially when Venus gets there, it's opening us up. When the sun gets there, it's going to be fashionable for us to see that actually we are unified, unified in our diversity. Yeah, like when the pandemic starts and the lockdown, I was actually expecting to going back to the gold standard money system. Yeah, a lot <laughs> it didn't sooner. didn't happen yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, it kind of is. This is a redistribution of wealth and the gold standard is your soul. And so when we choose to go into situations where we are uh, making ourselves less than, even putting on masks is a situation where we are contracting ourselves and making ourselves less than. Just to go on an aeroplane, I'll put my hand up, I've done it a few times to do these types of things. However, you know, um, the more freely and willingly we give ourselves away to situations like that, the less that we're standing within ourselves. And so this coming back into the uh, expression of freedom is a ripple on our effect. It's a bit like throwing a stone into the pond. It just goes in all directions. We're changing time because in a sense, we've done this many times before. We're time travellers and we, in a sense, have had to come back because not enough of us decided to stand up for ourselves. Not enough of us came in to witness our emotions. And this is our greatest opportunity now to see that we are each messengers and advocates for emotional sovereignty, uh, for consciousness, for going into the translucent 
nature of clarity, which is beyond illusion, beyond light. The purity actually is in the darkness, mm-hmm. which is really something that even in the spiritual community, many of us are still deciphering how to communicate and to educate and to share. So how would you recommend to people from the like individual point of view to kind of be mindful about um, navigating like just some general rules, for example, the times around the birthday yes. or the times with the famous full moon on the new moon? <laughs> is, that, is it like for everybody, let's say, the new moon a good time to kind of like pause and maybe think about the emotions and the full moon is more about uh, for action or something like that? Yes, it's such a good question. And so this uh, changes the tone a little bit because you get very malefic and strict when you talk about mundane astrology, <laughs> like okay. I just was. Uh-huh. And, and so if we're talking about personal horoscopes, which you can do for anything, for instance, we can set a horoscope, which means Horus, the hour maker, our horror and that is the sun maker so recast the chart for the moment that we started recording it would give the synthesis and the energy of this video this 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 recording this podcast Uh, and so um, you can do that for anything especially a birth chart a nativity or a natal chart they even used to actually in germany um, um, probably more than just germany but the word for germany is the is the placenta because you could actually do the divination just like the the birth chart on the placenta and also they'd eat it because it's got so many of the nine salts that the baby are within the gestation of the womb, which is so very valuable for the mother to continue to, to provide for themselves after they've had the baby. So in many traditions, they also eat it as well. But anyway, straight back to the academics. This is what I spent many years with uh, at learning because as a Capricorn son myself, I didn't want to share astrology without ner- learning the template. And the template is, a strict formula uh, to learning and it's very ge- geometry based mathematical and it takes years to learn and I do advise that everybody ingratiates themselves to these terms you can buy a book online easily for a beginner's book in astrology I thought I don't need an astro- you know you don't need it maybe you might think at first maybe 2014 2012 I was thinking look that way because I've learned so much through different YouTube astrologers which were fantastic for me but at the same time when buying a book, you get to learn it for yourself and you don't miss any of the crosses of the T's or the dots of the I's and you become acclaimed because you own it and you have your own school of thought. And sometimes you might um, abandon some bits and use other pits more of reference because eventually you take what works for you, you eat your fruit and you spit out the pips. But most traditionally, the formatting of the template of astrology is best from the root which is the original. So eventually after learning the different schools of force and having been around people who've been astrologers for decades, because I joined a local group, which is very beneficial because we get to personalize and connect together, (laughs) you know, which is really different kind of experience. You get to ask questions, you get to feel people, learn about one another's charts. And so it's a great journey. I remember smelling the books. I remember where I was on the public transport, reading the books when they first came. And so it's a rich experience, really ingratiating ourselves to the archetypes. And the arc is really 360 degrees. The circle, is, which is witchcraft. Uh, and so when we come into our craft, which is our sphere of influence, when we come into our spirit, we're coming into the, light, the wisdom of light and dark, which is astrology. Astralis is the straw beams of light that come out of your eyes and come out of the sun. And they come out of everything, <laughs> really. <laughs> and so, uh, but the backdrop, the logic, astrology, the night sky is what makes the stars stand out. That's really the dark depth of pure clarity and beauty. That's why our pupils are, are dark. Because we are quite innocent at our core, even though we might be scared of our own power. And this is why we come into this opportunity to learn about ourselves in this earth. And we don't learn about the rules so instantaneously. There are traditions where people get an astrologer on site when the baby's born before it's had its even umbilical cord cut. <laughs> uh, and like, they plan like, the date for some babies in traditions to be born. And they have them born uh, with a set template for their chart because they want them to have... How is it possible to force the birth of the baby in a certain time? 
Well, it's a royal tradition often because they want the baby to have the best charts that they can have, so that they. Do can they force like through the C-section, for example? Bingo! Exactly that. And uh, so you often find that you'll get a royal born um, in a Taurus or a Leo energy because that's the most regal quality kind of energy for one to have and they can choose the moon to be with a fixed star often which will give them certain influence. This does happen actually very naturally with, with us all anyway uh, but they can choose to guarantee it. And that's interesting. What you call that in mundane astrology is an election. For instance, you might choose a date to release a podcast or to release a book or a movie or whatever it might be. And so that's very useful. But like, uh, yeah, they do do that. Many of the royal people uh, or influential people will choose their time for their babies for the gods to the moon. Okay, but coming back to my question, how the individual can use like a Because, general? Um, so why would they? How would? What would they look for in a chart to elect one? Well. Basically, the moon is always our greatest guide. It's a template because they always say follow the moon, follow the white rabbit, if you will. And it's like the minute hand on the clock, whereas, as I said, the sun's like the hour hand. Saturn, well, that's like the granddaddy hand. <laughs> well, it could be the grandmama, the old crone. Uh, either way, um, what we can do is find with the moon, if it's a new moon, just before a new moon, it's called a waning Uh, it's in its waning phase or if it's uh, just before a new moon you can't see it it would be it, translucent and so that's the kind of time when you're not really working with too many emotions uh, with regards to it you might be feeling but like the emotions might not be recognised for instance someone might walk all over your emotions if you uh, and not see them they might be, not, not just recognise these types of things for instance someone's born around a new moon maybe their mother's not so prevalent or wasn't available because they were working all the time maybe had their own good reasonings you know it's, uh, there's always a good reason a story we all have our own traumas we all have our own conditioning and hellbacks uh, and so it adds a lot of depth to know just where the moon was in our natal chart um, so if you're born actually a week after a new moon it looks like a half moon what we do is we call that a first quarter moon and so it's a week into the four week lunar cycle which we call a month or moon And so when you're doing it a week into it, that's a great time for action. That's a great time to go out on to do something new. And you might not always know where it's going to take you, but it's going to grow bountifully because the moon's still growing. So you might, if you want to cut your hair, but you want it to grow back thick and strong, you do it then. Premium time. There's even a head and shoulders or shampoo conditioners that you can get, which are organic. And they are based on this lunar cycle uh, and so that they're supportive in that way. Because um, basically, I was guided intuitively. I wonder if it was based on the hairdressers. This is years and years ago, and I researched it. And you can actually already get supplements that are around this uh, information. Because this is astrology was based on the farming. Because Saturn's the farmer. What you reap, you shall sow. And so, what you put into your plot, what you put into your story, will grow if you work with the lunar cycles. It's a fantastic guide, and that's what farmers would use. And this is why traditionally they would say that they have the daylight saving. Regardless, full moon, two weeks into a lunar cycle, this is when you do things that you are completing. This is when things come to release. And so you might manage to let go of something then, but it might be a bit abrupt, might be a bit sudden, might be a bit oh, emotional if you let go of it then. Maybe you come to a realisation around these times and you can work with, a, you can choose a time if you're really consciously when you might work. So I want to quit my job. Uh, I don't like my job, it's not emotionally fulfilling me, and then you get the message then emotionally, you listen to that, you made your decision, and you think, I'm maybe going to work for the last week, because I'm going to honour the person, whatever, honour the boss, um, you might not want it, you might just cut yourself free straight away, but you, you can choose to cut yourself free on the third quarter with more consciousness, because it's 270 degrees across the way, on the third week of a lunar cycle, which was when I was born, when you get to be more conscious on your emotions because the moon waning is more internal the moon waxing is more external and so it's much more after a full moon an internal experience for us yeah I absolutely feel it and I learn also that my emotions change and I, I never like uh, kind of go with the flow I always know that I need the time and I need to see you know Uh, in a couple of days, am I gonna feel the same, or maybe I will have some retrospective and you know, see things from a different perspective? Mm -hmm. um, It's so useful with that template because if you just honor that basic template, which obviously 
doesn't sound too basic maybe at first, but you learn it, you can learn that in a day. And once you've got that, you can say, okay, well that's 28 days. Saturn will do this in 28 years. So Saturn will be at that first quarter, seven years. Saturn's gonna be opposing 14. So we recognize when we were seven, when we were 14, when we were 21, when we were 28, which is called the Saturn return, and they can be the spokes of our first 28 years of life. And we can plan our next 28 years around that with regards to reflecting back and see what we did in that past 28 years. Likewise with any planet, so Jupiter's 12 years, and we really learn about our wisdom of Jupiter over the course of that journey. In fact, I started out this YouTube channel 11 years ago, and so this is uh, coming into a full Jupiter cycle. I started studying astrology about 12 years ago, really properly, uh, with regards to Jupiter being in Pisces. So I'll have my Jupiter return in 2022, which is full cycle for me. I've fully qualified myself as a professional astrologer. I'm traveling internationally doing it, you know, uh, so we can really accomplish ourselves with regards to these different, knowing these different spokes of the wheel. And uh, if you break it into those different quarters, you can really see and plan and kind of schedule yourself in a way that's very well educated to your own personal chart in application to the current sky. All right. Who are your mentors or people who influence your life? Well, first and foremost, I must say that um, my mum was very uh, interesting for me because she was she's a psychotherapist, which is like the squares version of astrology. No offence to any psychotherapists. Astrology is <laughs> great for you guys. <laughs> and... Um, so even looking at her cycles, I learned so much because she, obviously she's older than me and so I can learn so much by studying all the different reference points that we have with astrology. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, but also uh, other YouTube astrologers, which is how I got into it. But also I was uh, developing my own ability to become more conscious of where I was least good at things like diet was one of my mom if you more you call it mundane or rituals and habits I was challenged by and even finding my purpose I didn't know I was going to be astrologer when I started my YouTube channel initially and so there was a, a lady called Lilu Mace who would do lots of interviews with people like Bruce Lipton uh, Joe Dispenza and so in 2007 I started watching her uh, and she did this uh, 100 day reality challenge which I started to do on my YouTube which would allow me to move towards that which was more challenging eating better food just making a video in the first place I wasn't a confident speaker I was much more shy even though I found that this would allow me to grow into my wealth my well-being my sense of joy uh, because I make these videos every day now and so I'm very grateful for her and I didn't know I was going to be doing interviews I've done over uh, nearly 150 interviews on my YouTube channel now so that was a funny thing that interest, interestingly developed. She even interviewed an astrologer called Kay Patcher uh, back in 2012, who I interviewed in 2019. And uh, so he was a, a role model. Many of the people on YouTube were, and I've interviewed a lot of them <laughs> now. Um, one of them, Lada Dunchiva, gave me my start professionally in 2017. She's the Bulgarian master astrologer and she has her own uh, platform called Astro Lada, where she has loads of different astrologers. But she is a great teacher, and I'm very grateful for that opportunity to be kind of born into a, a birth of fire, when you start things on a professional level and you jump into it, like, and you're like, wow, I'm just here and I'm learning still, kind of thing. And that was in 2017. But this is because I'm quite humble, I suppose. I mean, I was quite accredited enough to be able to get the role. <laughs> I think we're learning all the time, yeah. no, no matter what level do we have. <laughs> yes, and, and so um, that's very much the case, but like I am also always learning from someone else like Ralph Smart, or, who's uh, a great influencer on YouTube, and Teal Swan, I actually met them early in my journey in 2012. So there's so many different people, as you say, I'm learning from you, and learning from everybody that I lend my eye to. Um, this, is, this is a great experience. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to connect with everybody and uh, always have the opportunity to learn with one another. Yes, beautiful, thank you. <laughs> so uh, before I'm gonna ask my last question, if you could advise to the listeners one thing that they can start do from today that will change their life, connected to astrology or no, that's up to you, but what would it be and why? Well, I love this question because it was, in a sense, astrology which opened me up to this journey. And so, 
This is a long answer, but I'm going to put it nicely packaged for you. I was born on, a, as I mentioned, a last quarter moon. And so this means that in a technique called the progress chart, I had a new moon when I was age seven. And so through the unfolding of my life, this would give me a start point of reference. Back then, my parents got a divorce when I was age seven. Seven years later, I was in high school, but I was like agoraphobic. So I stopped going for 18 months. And so I was like, wow, I don't know if I could ever face the music socially or go back to school. I did, and it was okay. And I eventually learned how to make friends and things like that. Seven years later, on my personal full moon, when I was 21 years old, I uh, had loads of friends. I was going to festivals all the time, but nobody was so much interested in astrology or spirituality. So I learned on that maximum full bloom of that part of that story, I had to let go of everything. And that was 14 years ago. And in letting go of everything that I had acquired, everything that I thought I had wanted, I refound myself. Because that journey, I didn't really have a sense of self. I didn't have a craft. You know, my friends, they were interested in music. I was like, I'll go follow my friends to festivals, which was great, which was fantastic, which taught me about my social skills, taught me about my emotions, taught me about all of the different things I'm good at in this arena. However, I had to isolate myself and immerse myself within the world of astrology, which became my identification, my craft, and my joy. And it was astrology that helped me find myself and ground myself and escape from escapism, which was that drugs and alcohol and all these types of things. Nice uh, escapism. Escapism's okay. I do encourage it a little bit here and there. Uh, certainly so, uh, especially in the dreamland and the medicinal, etheric lands. However, um, it was letting go which allowed me to gain so much. And now I actually have this new moon, Echo Back, which I had when I was seven years old, next month in July. And so knowing this template, which I can help people with, know their own personal timing with regards to their hero's journey, which is the progressed moon, uh, give me the opportunity to have a craft, uh, give me the opportunity to have my own skill set and trade. And so my encouragement is that people find whatever it is that brings them into their joy. Because now I have my trade, I can buy my time back because I invested in myself. And to be an investor is how you win this place. Because this is a market, it's a world of commerce. And God, basically the source, is this money, it's commerce. But it's our energy. So if we invest in ourselves, with gardening, with cookery, with being a carpenter, with being a yogi, with being a media specialist, with being an astrologer, whatever it is that we're doing, even being a mother, you know? Even being a father. Whatever it is that we choose to do, we are investing in a certain relationship with something. And if it's building us up, if it's bringing us into our joy, even if it's got those things that are frustrating. Astrology has those things that are challenging for me for, to work on, but it gives me the opportunity to grow. All relationships have their challenges. But if you've got it and it brings you joy, then it's formidably for you. Things aren't always for you, but for when they are, when they make you feel good, when you recognize your emotions, then you will, you, you've got a great guide. So it might be music, it might be crochet, I don't know what it is, but as long as it brings joy to you, that's who you are, so do that. Yes, beautiful, thank you so much. Uh, please share with the lesson, listeners where they can find more about you, how they can connect with you. Yeah, well, if anybody would like to check out my YouTube channel where I put videos up every day, astrology forecasts, all kinds of things like that. There's a great community that's being collected and gathered with wonderful different people there. And so you can subscribe, and that's called Unifying Perspectives on YouTube. And likewise, I have a TikTok, which is at Unifying Perspectives for just like short astrology bursts there. Or you can subscribe on Instagram, at Philip Daniel Miles. But if you want a personal reading where I can share your chart on a screen on Zoom and bestow all of the wisdom which is within inside of you, reflected in your natal chart, even some of those most challenging things which we're able to nurse and to nurture and to find solutions to, that's what I'm here to do, that's what I do best. And so you can send me an email to unityaroundthecorner at hotmail.com. That's unityaroundthecorner at hotmail.com. Yeah, I'm going to put all the info, so of course, in the show notes. So. It is actually $200 for one hour. 
However, if you want to do a deeper dive back into the progression chart that I was explaining, that does take a little longer, and that's $365. So that's a very smart investment into yourself. The consultation is recorded, so you get a copy as well, and you can watch that back, and that's proven by past clients to be a, a timeless investment, because they can watch it back a week later, or even six months down the line, and find that they receive new parts of the message which are still relevant. Yes, like uh, I wanted to ask, for how long do you think this kind of reading is usually relevant? Like for one year or like, is it a lifetime? <laughs> it's a different spectrum. So it basically, it's the first reading should be something you always remember. I, I mean, as I say, like I started studying astrology and being interested in it in 2007, 2006. I didn't have the money to invest into a reading with someone who I admired until 2016. <laughs> But I've interviewed that guy now, he's my peer. And he just did confirmate, he confirmed that I was on the right path and I love it and I'm grateful for that guy. And I look forward to meeting him in person, doing a workshop one day. And so this is a timeless endeavor and because it's your birth chart. And yet what I do is I, I, I read the chart for that. If we've got an hour consultation, it will give you everything that you need as a natal chart reading. The first 45 minutes, we just talk about you back and forth in the chart and I take any questions that you have, any curiosities. The last 15 minutes, what we do is we apply all of the current sky, which can go up to maybe like the next three or four years. And we do that in quite a lot of detail with the immediate future, with the slower moving planets, they go for a little bit longer. So we know maybe what we're working with with regards to a Saturn transit, which takes about three, four years at a time. There's not too much point going too far into the future because we are here now and so I like to empower people to what they're able to make the most of. It's a bit like a frequency wave. So if you're a surfer and you know where the tides are going, you know when to jump on or when you know to hold back. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for clarifying that. Do you want to add anything more from yourself at the end? Well, I just like to say that astrology is a language and the more and the more that we are able to ingratiate and immerse ourselves within it, if we're interested in it, the more beneficial it can be. So it becomes a metaphysical language of our interior condition, but it's also a very academic, useful thing to use for business, for moving house, and all these types of things. So if you've got an interest in it, I'm here to do workshops for you. You can contact me for that, as well as astrology mentorship as well as the natal chart readings. But other than that, I'm really grateful for this opportunity that you've uh, offered up to me. I'm really grateful for you. As you would like to share, uh, once we've got off the air, maybe with my uh, YouTube people, how they can get hold of you as well? Yes, of course. So the podcast body is a temple. It's, of course, on all podcast platforms from iTunes, Spotify, um, Stitcher, wherever podcast people can listen to the podcast. Uh, there is also a website that I'm going to send you the link where there are links to all other podcast platforms, but if so, usually people, the, the most popular is iTunes and Spotify, so if you're going to type body is a temple, you can find it over there and all the previous episodes over there. And my um, Facebook and Instagram is at kari.live.art, it's K-A-R-I, that live, that art. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your conversation too.